Greetings, buddies, and welcome back to another episode of My Life, Not Yours. Feeling a little bit flatlined at the moment, and I'm not sure why. I need to pull my finger out when it comes to work because I set one of my goals to get some more clients and projects by the end of July and it ain't materialising at the moment. I've had to really dig deep inside myself. I've got a little bit used to doing a couple of days a week that really isn't going to pay the bills and do the things that I really want to do. In fact, because nobody's seen each other properly for over a year and a half, I have been going out, whining and dining and doing this, that and the other. So my outgoings are starting to become more than my income. And because I work for myself, I don't really pay myself that much money. So yes, alert. I work for myself and uncertainty goes with the territory. But my ideal is work to live, but I need some money to do that. So today's episode is all about working to live not the other way around. But before I get really deep into that and talk about work and the different types of work, I have been putting out blogs for five months and I'm so excited. 20 weeks I've been doing it for. This is my 20th blog, so it's my anniversary blog. And I feel a little bit excited and proud and hope you are still enjoying listening to me. But I do need people to go out and rate it. So write a little review, even if you don't have Apple Podcasts, you can go in there give me a five star rating and review it because it helps to get more people listening to it, which is what I want to do because I seem to uh, have a nice crowd of you poddies that tune in. And remember that um, if you set your alert, then you'll know that a new episode has come up. Without further ado, there's a lot to cover. There will be a part two, I believe, to this topic area because it can go on and on and on and um, when I was with a friend the other day she couldn't wait to hear what I had to say about work but it's a massive area. In my early 20s I was resolute I was going to go into social work but was deterred from that journey due to my background and getting too emotionally involved. So it's really funny that when you're put off something you think well what am I going to do? And I've always been jealous of those people that knew from the age of five they were going to be an astronaut or they were going to fly a plane. I've never really had that. I've never had anything that I've said, I want to do that. And even the social work thing was more about my caring for people. So when I kind of look at that and I was starting out, there wasn't really any help from the adult world to get me going. And I know that my my background was a bit disjointed and my mum certainly didn't help. And um, I remember when I was studying, I was working in this play centre. And the only reason why I work there is A, because I love young people. It was an after school club, which I love. But I wanted to save to get some stuff to do at my bedroom, which, you know, is a good bit of a motivator, right? And I wanted to also fund going out and having nice things. Because I think at that time, peers were saying, you can go and sign on the dole. For anybody outside the UK, we have a social security system here that if you aren't working and there's special circumstances or you have a disability or something like that, you get paid by the state. You get some benefits from the state, which is not a bad thing. But there are some people that really abuse that system and take the piss and never ever want to work that wasn't me so scared that I might end up doing something like that and I don't know why I started off working to earn my own money and I used to love just getting that paycheck after I'd done a month of work at the play center and it wasn't much I was only young I was like 18 19 and I was studying because even the studying was a joke I didn't know if I was going to go to university or what I wanted to do 
And that all came later on, but it was all back to front. And it's one of those things that I, when I talk to young people as well, don't just take on what your peers are saying. What do you want to do? And how do you want to get there? And I love sort of bringing that out in my Nurtured Success programme. But anyway, I digress. At the age of 20, I kind of went for my first job and it was in the public sector. If you're outside of the UK, the public sector is when you work for government. I think in the States it's called federal system or something. And this is where you are doing a public service. Wow. Now, I think the people that are doing a real public service are over here in the UK is the National Health Service, which is NHS, which we don't have to pay for. You have other vocations, which I think they are job vocations, like teachers. It's a vocation. It's a job for life. And so I entered into the public sector, working for government in sports development. And I was there for about eight years. I was about 21. I really absolutely loved it. And I'm going to come on to the pros and cons about being protected, working for government and staff in in that public lifestyle. It was really good. I got to work with loads of secondary schools. So that's children aged 13 to 16. I worked with the teachers in basically in bringing up the level of sport in primary school and secondary school. So primary is anything from five to 11, then you move on to big school. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it because I could put all my sports coaching qualifications into what I was doing and I got to teach people how to perform better but both at delivering sport and doing sport. However, it also made me realise in this what we call in a council. So you have different states say in the United States but here we call them boroughs or counties. In London you have your local councils. So this was a, an area called Wandsworth Council and when you looked in this in the States it would be a federal building I think but over here you got this old buildings and actually these buildings were absolutely gorgeous but when you looked at some of the people in there that looked 105 and looked as old as the bloody furniture you knew they were never leaving this council they were public sector servants or civil servants as we call for life and to be fair there are some big benefits you've got job security and even if people want to get rid of you in local government or the council or whatever you want to call it you have to jump through hoops there's a whole system in process and I'll give you the opposite of that if you go into the private sector and those of you who are working you probably know the difference But you may not if you've never worked for both public and private sector like I have. I'm not saying I have the answers to everything, but there are some big differences. So the great pension is a massive, massive benefit. So when you retire from work at whatever age that is, is it 60, 65? I don't know. You get paid by the state a pension. So this is money to live out your final days. And I think it was really weird that I was uh, listening to a podcast last night. And one thing we're guaranteed, we're all going to (laughs) die. That's the only guarantee we have in life, we are going to die. So whilst that's a scary thought, it's real. But um, planning for uh, your life after work, a pension, is having money that can keep you going. However, what I always felt with the public sector kind of work is, how do you stay in the same job for 20 years plus, unless it is a vocation like a police officer, a teacher and stuff like that? I never got it. So through the people that I started meeting in my work as a sports development officer, I started to get a little bit hungry as to what else was out there. And I think it was because when you've done a good job and you don't get a bonus, you don't see your pay grade going up. You kind of wonder, aside from going for a new job, and especially when you're in something you love, well, how do I get 
you know, compensated or remunerated for doing something really well. Transitioning from public to private sector was basically because I was a nosy little fucker. (laughs) I went to some events and I thought, hmm, and I wondered how they got the money to do certain things and I had quite a few friends that were working in the private sector they were maybe lawyers or they were working in finance and they were hedge fund specialists and all this kind of thing I mean there's all walks of life to be honest with you with my friends but something was talking money and you know some people are motivated by money I'm not but at my career side when people said you know find a job and stick to it and I thought well no how boring is that you only have one chance at life I want to do as much as I can and if I can have a varied job career then I want that as well so there you go so the big thing from public to private is the salary difference because you will find that you've got some big fat salaries in in the private sector and my big break into that was not only working for Nike, but also going to some private sports agencies that actually did the work on behalf of big brands. So what pushed that decision for me whilst I was in sports development, I actually was running a disability event with another colleague at a hospital in the UK that specialises in spinal injuries. It's called Stoke Mandeville. Look it up. They do amazing work. Anyway, we were doing this event. Uh, there was track and field. There were all these different multi-sports. <laughs> and Oh my gosh, did I get a rude awakening. There were different sports and they were all qualifying. I I can't, I think it was something being run by the BBC. And I really enjoyed it. And I was in the shop and met this wheelchair user. And it was a Trinidad and Tobago basketball team guy and he asked me could you reach up on the top shelf now any of you don't know what the top shelf is in the news agent remember we're in a hospital we're inside the hospital um i don't know grocery shop or whatever you got news agent that's it news agents and he asked me to reach up to the top shelf and get this magazine down so the top shelf is all the pornographic mags and women with false tits and all that kind of stuff and i thought what the hell does he want this for so i said I'm not reaching up to get that. And he said, oh, please, I can't reach. You can see that I'm in a chair. I can't get there. And I said to him, what do you want it for? (laughs) Should I have asked that? Probably not, because the answer I got had me standing there with my mouth open. And then it all made sense, really, because I've done quite a lot of work with disability, but I'm always curious. So he said, "Okay, Tina, I'm a paraplegic, which means I have no sense of feeling below my waist. I thought, fine. And he said, you know, looking at porn or sexy women in mags is you know, how I get excited. Then I asked about sex. He said, do you really want me to tell you what we do for sex? And I thought, I'm just actually sitting here squeamish thinking about it. From what I can understand, some people who who are um, a wheelchair user and have no feeling from below the waist, there's no point in them trying trying to have sex with another person who has a disability and is in the same situation. Okay, that kind of makes sense. So what these wheelchair basketball, they'd all crowded around me at this point. I felt quite vulnerable. I thought, oh my God. What they were saying is that they inject their penises with a drug to give them an erection that will last a little while. And then a lot of them were having sex with the basketball referees. (laughs) And I just remember thinking, wow, wow. I ended up getting the porn mags for them. I actually paid for them actually because they were so cute, very good looking. And um, I carried on with what I was doing. But basically having done these trials, it was definitely some um, trials into either the Paralympics or something at that time. There was something going on and I ended up at Stoke Mandeville organising something. And I got 
enlightened and educated about uh, a paraplegic's sex life moving swiftly on so from that and looking at all the sponsorship that goes around these events I was really attracted to move on and so I went into an agency a sports marketing agency and I started working with big brands like Channel 4 Television Um, that's a TV station in the UK for anybody outside and everybody knows the Nike swoosh. So I'd put together this concept for Nike at the time and uh, basically they asked me to come and work for them and that was my big move into private sector. And yeah, it was good, but there are some massive differences. I mean, for one, the pace is so much slower. And I think this is where I can talk about the pros and the cons of, you know, work-life balance when you're in the public or private sector because and self-employed because I think self-employed almost sits under private because you have to work your shit off to make things work right and I think for me the difference was there was just off the top of my head it was more exciting I got better money the perks are great even though if you sort of google it and say the pros and cons of private versus public sector work people say the perks are better with you know working for as a public civil servant which I agree with in terms of a pension. I'm not sure about a lot else outside of that. One big thing, for example, when I work with a lot of clients in some different roles in the private sector, you could go out for lunches, you've got a company credit card and you can spend. You can't do that with the public's money because you're working for a public service organisation. Therefore, you cannot put the public's money down the drain. So if we think about some of the things that are pros and cons in the private sector, so the salary package is usually quite good, but the big one there is bonuses. You get a bonus based on the company performance and your performance against a set of goals. So that's always nice because when I think about half of the things I've done in my home in terms of renovation, it's because of the bonus. And I wasn't on a big bonus in any of the jobs I've been in. I'm talking bonuses where some of my friends have worked in finance or in the stock market. They could buy another bloody house with their bonuses. That was never the case for me. Also in private sector, is the faster promotions. So someone recognises you are good or they've already identified you from the time you walk into that job in the private sector, you could be fast-tracked straight up the ladder. That doesn't happen in the public sector at all. There's a process, it's applying for your job and all this kind of stuff. And whilst there may be people internally like you, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get promoted very, very quickly. There's an opportunity, I think, also in the private sector to be cutting edge in your field, whether it's a creative, whether it's... You know, I've talked a bit about finance, a hedge fund manager or whatever. You can get to be really good at what you do very quickly. Whereas I think in the public sector, unless you're really high up the ranks in government offices, you're all kind of the same and it doesn't really matter. The other thing is things like private health insurance and stuff like that. So there are some great benefits. The cons of private sector, and I experienced this a lot, I'm not going to lie. I felt stressed, anxious. Um, you are performing with other people. It's, it's, it's extremely competitive. So, you know, there's longer hours of work. There was one particular job I had and our client was American Express and uh, they worked us. We were an agency. So what an agency means in, in marketing. So obviously I'm marketing events and brand. And at the time when I wasn't working for myself, an agency is basically the brand's bitch. <laughs> So say American Express or Coca-Cola or whoever says, I want you to develop a campaign for me. 
a campaign, an advertising campaign. So that's the things that you would see when you turn a magazine. That's an agency that's put that together. If you see, you go to the supermarket and I don't know, there's some activity in the car park that's involving taste this bottle of new bottle of Coke that we've got or something like that. That's an agency that's running that for them. It is quite tough. The hours are long. And I remember with American Express, uh, at this agency I was working at, we didn't get home before eight o'clock most nights. And then they'd ask for changes to a financial kind of budget by the next morning. So that means you're working again late. I got cabs home more than I took public transport because it was that late. And it was my whole life became work. Okay. And this whole topic is you need to work, to live. You need to get that balance. And I think I've missed out on quite a few things, which I don't need to go into today so much, but I think I have missed out on a lot because my whole life revolved around work. And let's not get it twisted. I'm not the only one, right? There's a lot of people that I talk to and I think, is that all you do is work? Is there nothing else? You talk work, you eat work, you drink work. And I used to do it and it stressed me out. And I think because you're working in a competitive, fast-paced environment in the in the private sector, you've always got to make sure that someone's not going to beat you to the end of the road in terms of what you're doing. And it's quite cutthroat. It's great if you're on top. If you're underneath, it's not great at all. And I also think with um, the private sector, there's an instability. You've got you haven't got job security. They can get you out that door in a week if they want, if not sooner. Whereas in the public sector, you're protected a little bit because you have to go through so many processes, whether whether it's a disciplinary, a written warning, uh, which is a disciplinary, and then all this kind of stuff before. It could take three months, four months, even longer to get someone out of the business. Whereas in the private sector, you can be out pretty quickly. So if the business performance is not up to scratch, your business performance and maybe the company business performance and also company buyouts that could be the end of your job there now I'm not saying actually that it's hard to find something else but you have to go with that flow a little bit you get into the private sector be prepared for what happens on the other side of that take it I'm a teacher right or let's not talk about the NHS because there's a big debates over pay over here in the UK about that but if I take I'm a teacher teachers you can work private sector so you can work in a private school or you can work in a state school but bottom line is the pros and cons across let's just take the teachers is pretty familiar and similar long holidays when the kids are off state school versus private in terms of teaching probably more money on the private side but these are vocational type jobs and whilst they may get lots of holidays it's changed teachers now have to do so much admin and I think they're even stressed out and I think when we had covid and they're having to do remote learning I saw a lot of my friends who were teachers extremely extremely stressed but if we go back to office-based jobs that are public sector they have better working hours for the office based jobs less demanding cultures I never really saw anyone stressed out when I worked in sports development and I worked in two government jobs and one was for eight years and one was a year and a half now everybody was always out the door by five o'clock what we're doing tonight they stroll in and it was really really relaxed and so also the other thing with public sector is their training is really good they can put you on really good courses and there's not that payout and have to stay there for x amount of time just because you've done a course with them Whereas in the private sector, you know, you kind of have to do that kind of payback. If they put you on a course, you probably can't leave there for about six months or a year or whatever it is. So there's so many different variables and it really is up to the individual what will suit them for that particular time. And it all sounds a little bit rambly, but I guess 
a friend of mine who didn't really understand the differences because she's always worked in public sector, she's a teacher, didn't really understand the nuances with working in private sector and what the differences could be. So do I have many tales of work stuff? I do. But I think for me, there were positives to public sector. When I think about now as I've got older, public sector would be quite appealing, actually, because, you know, for me, I'm not about I'm not chasing the money. And um, I think there are people that will chase the money. And then that means they need to perhaps be in the private sector. And because there can be isms with working for the government. So much red tape. It is so annoying but I kind of now at my older age wouldn't mind working for government again but if I can't get my job done because you move really quickly in private sector they ain't got time to wait you know this is owned by somebody or whatever the the company they need to perform (laughs) and so you're not dithering around and you're not a public service you're doing it for brands or you are a brand or, or or whatever and there's a big difference so I think working for myself why did I transition to that well the last job I was in, I was a commercial kind of partnerships um, board at a massive arena that's very well known in the UK. And I was offered redundancy. And I've been at this place nearly six years anyway. And you, you know, you do wonder if there's much more that you can do. And remember what I've told you about me. I've always got itchy feet. I'm very inquisitive. And there's certain organisations I'd like to know what's going on behind the scenes. So why not work there? And I actually remember that a careers advisor, not the traditional one, it might have been a headhunter, had said to me once, oh, you seem to have jumped around a lot and I just said you've only got one knife I want to try different things I don't be stuck in a job for like 20 years or so so that was really bizarre and uh, we ended up discussing when you look at the experiences that I've had in these different jobs you don't think that I can bring whatever to the table you're going to question if I've been somewhere under two years because apparently the thing to do is to be in a job for two years and then you're ready to move on especially in your early part of your career but uh, I did some of that and then I didn't so when I got the chance of redundancy I remember sitting outside on my garden stool and cried my eyes out thinking what am I going to do if you have listened to perfection and procrastination this is a perfectionist I'm a person who likes to know what I'm doing where I'm going and actually that day was just an eye-opener for me that I've made that decision and I thought actually I don't want my life to revolve around work and it was a chance for me to start living my life and absolutely not have it revolve around work and um, I think also what I noticed in the corporate kind of private world is I cared so much for the young people that came in and I don't think it was always looked upon as great. I saw young people coming into an organisation who've come fresh out of university or not and they have problems with how do I communicate this? How do I how do I get heard? That was a positive for me because I ended up mentoring, paid mentoring for some young professionals and that's where the birth of Nurtured Success came from, my programmes where I help navigate um, a young professional's career right in the early stages and, and just see where they want to be and, and set goals. I think during lockdown is where it really took off. And for me, working for myself since 2015, um, looking at lockdown and that uncertainty that was there and worrying about where money would come from, it didn't actually happen because I had a big client and I'm still with them now. And that's been really good. But the big thing is the flexibility because I saw a lot of people not able to leave their desk and do that from home and act differently from home, as it were, apart from the environment was slightly better for them. And I really 
was grateful that I, nobody had a whip around my neck. Not that you'd have a whip around your neck anyway. A chain, a ball and chain that I was carrying a ball and chain in terms of being at my desk eight hours a day and so forth and so forth. And I think the journey has been an interesting one for me because during lockdown, I act as a limited company and you pay yourself a salary from your company and mine was low. It was so low that I realised I didn't need it. Now, of course, in lockdown, we didn't really have anywhere to go. The only thing you could buy was food. And I learned to live on very little. And what I'm now trying to do is bring that through into life post lockdown because our Freedom Day is on the 19th of July. And I'll talk about that next week in Memorable Moments Part 3 because it's already causing a storm. And so for me, there's been some learnings from lockdown that I am very disciplined because it would have been very easy for me to lie in bed, think, oh, I don't really need to get up today because I didn't really have loads of work. I had one client because a lot of others had dropped me, but I didn't. I was really motivated to keep going and focused, etc., etc. I didn't get any help from the government at all with my business. And to be fair, I think we were one of the few countries in the world where they were helping out a lot of people in terms of their business to keep it running because you're talking nearly a year and a half for some especially hospitality that had no money but just by default of what my business is set up as I didn't get any help from the government so thank goodness for the fantastic client I'm giving you a big hug for keeping me on to do some great things for you I just now need to pull my finger out my ass and get some more I have this sense of freedom and I don't feel stressed at all. I can pick and choose the days when I'm going to do something and I love it. My wee thought for the day is, have you optimised your life for work or is it the other way around? Working to live is probably the best way to be and your mindset should be in that spot as opposed to the amount of people, and I'd say it's nearly 60, 40 the other way, people live to work. I get that. Some people may say, Tina, but obviously you're not passionate about what you do. I am to an extent, because I still think I'm searching for that golden nugget, but I'm nearly there. I guess if you've got your own business or you're working as a whatever you're doing and you absolutely love what you do, that's fine. But I still don't believe that you should be living to work because there is more to life and you only get one stab at it. I also think if you are a work Trojan that wants to climb the ladder in the corporate world, so you're in a salaried role, no matter what, you need to declutter responsibility. You can't do everything. Not everything is your responsibility because you'll end up burning yourself out. And I just think with this whole approach that we have now towards mental well-being and everything else there is more to life I don't care if your thing is going and feeding the ducks spend more time doing it if it makes you smile and makes you feel good rather than thinking about oh I've got to push another spreadsheet out and oh I'm going to earn 300,000 pounds this year because I've done this 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 and I've led the organization into that if you've got family members and stuff like that take time out to see them it's precious and you know what is so annoying for me is it's only through an accident or someone dying that people take time to then rethink their life. Rethink it now. Please, please, please work to live. Just a note out to my listeners. If anybody has any contacts in radio or voiceovers, please do drop me a line. My contact details are in the show notes and I'll tell you why. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of My Life Not Yours. It would mean the world to me if you could head over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, rate and leave me a review. You can also spread the love and help grow my potty by sharing the link provided in my show notes. Until next time, take care.